Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the podcast. The podcast is Tanner Talks about stuff that happened. I'm Tanner, and as always, I'll be talking about some stuff that has happened recently in the last couple days. And uh, if you've been listening, you know that a couple days ago I released an episode about the crisis in the city of Kulikan. And uh, fortunately, the battle for Kulikan has come to an end according to local authorities. Um, the city is back to being a safe place for people to live their normal lives. But all is not completely well yet with the cartels and the Mexican government. So we're going to talk a little bit about that, and I'm going to explain kind of what's going on here, give you the DL of what has taken place and why it's important to know about that. But before I give you the DL on all of this, uh, remember that if you enjoy the podcast, head over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Leave me a five-star review and let me know what you enjoy about the show. It means a lot to me, and it gets more people involved in the conversations about what's going on right now, what's going on in the world. There's some crazy stuff happening right now. Uh, so that's what we're talking about. And so... Let's talk about what's going on in the Mexican city in west-central Mexico called Culiacan. And, uh, let's get right into it. So back a few days ago, either January 5th or January 6th, one or the other, the uh, son of El Chapo, named Ovidio Guzman Lopez, was arrested by uh, Mexican government authorities and uh, taken into custody. Now... In the last episode, I said that this had taken place, uh, this had also taken place back in October, but the Mexican government had released him. Um, that was false, semi-false, because what happened was that capture actually took place back in 2019, not 2021, which I previously stated. But, uh, the capture had taken place before, and what happened was the Mexican government did release him back to the cartel after the cartel attacked the city of Culiacan. So, um... That, that is a little correction that I feel like I need to issue, but the Mexican government has captured this guy before, and because the cartel uh, carried out violence in the streets of Culiacan after that, they uh, they released him back and back to the cartel. This time, the Mexican government actually sent him directly to Mexico City, and a lot of Mexican officials actually wanted to extradite him to the United States to pay for his crimes, because he's one of the chief exporters of fentanyl and other drugs across the American border, but... Uh, a Mexican judge actually struck that down out of fear of what the cartel would do in retribution to that because of what they've already done in the streets of Culiacan, which I talked about a few days ago. Um, this is getting to be a little too crazy. So they said, let's let's wait on this just a little bit. Let's make sure we got things under control before we uh, make any rash decisions like that. But essentially, the son of El Chapo was captured by the Mexican police and taken into custody. And immediately after that, the Sinaloa cartel, which is the largest cartel in Mexico, and uh, the cartel in which this guy was one of the leaders of, attacked the city of Culiacan and surrounding areas. There were, like I said, there, like I said last time, there were videos of convoys of trucks with mounted machine guns entering the city. There were tons of videos of heavily armed cartel members that were uh, storming the city of Culiacan. There were roadblocks set up all around the city so that no civilians could escape. There were uh, hospitals that were stormed by cartel members. Now, I said that I couldn't confirm that this was happening in the last episode that I recorded, but videos have surfaced showing that these hospitals were 
uh, were being stormed by cartel members. And I can't totally confirm that that nurses and doctors were being kidnapped by the cartel, but I can confirm that hospitals were being stormed by cartel members. And I can also confirm that in a town nearby Kulikan, 140 people are missing since the action started and no one knows exactly where they are. That is confirmed by local authorities. Um, and it's likely that a lot of those people were nurses and doctors because there is video evidence of these hospitals being stormed by cartel members that were local to Kulikan. And the reason they did this is so that uh, people who are injured, people who are wounded in the action, cannot go and receive help for their injuries. This is another way that they want to go pressure the people of Culiacan to rise up and uh, defend them and protect the cartel against Mexican authorities out of fear, not out of uh, loyalty to the cartel, more of out of fear. And there is also evidence of a group of people blocking uh, a road leading into a city nearby Culiacan, uh, just regular civilians, they're blocking this road so that Mexican authorities and Mexican military cannot get in. And it's very likely that the cartel had threatened these people, threatened their families. And so that's why they are defending. That's well, not defending, but that's why they're blocking this road so that Mexican authorities can't get into this. This is a crazy situation and something unlike anything we've experienced in the United States. And I mean, luckily, luckily, how lucky we are to be living here rather than, you know, living in Culiacan right now. So the situation in the city is pretty foggy right now. While authorities say all is well, there are 140 people missing right now that can't be accounted for in and around the city of Culiacan. So what do we know for sure? Well, what we know for sure is that on the first night of fighting, at least 10 members of the Mexican military and police force were killed, and at least 19 cartel members were killed in the fighting. Uh, those are the numbers that we have from just the first day and night of fighting in the city. We don't have any numbers since then. And since then, there have been further operations carried out in and around the city by the Mexican military. The Mexican government has sent 1,500 soldiers into the city of Culiacan uh, since then, and but otherwise, there are very few news headlines, there's very, there's very little information, other than scant Twitter videos that I've been able to find, that I've been able to confirm are taking place in the city of Culiacan. There's really not a lot that we can, that, that we know, other than authorities saying all is well, and, um, According to the news agencies that have been able to get some journalists in there or have gotten eyewitness accounts of what's happening inside the city, life is returning relatively to normal in the city of Culiacan, which means that the battle for Culiacan has effectively, up to this point, come to an end between the cartel members and the Mexican government. Now, all is not well yet, because three days ago, a little over 72 hours ago, the Sinaloa cartel issued a list of demands to the Mexican government, and it was in the form of an ultimatum that was to be met in the next 72 hours, which that now that 72 hour window has now passed, which is why I think it's important to now look into what exactly those demands were and if the Sinaloa cartel is going to carry out the threats they they uh, they made against the Mexican government, which if that takes place, is going to make the situation a whole lot more interesting. Let's go over that really quick. So within a few hours of the son of El Chapo being arrested by Mexican authorities, the cartel reportedly released this ultimatum. And now 
Let's keep in mind, this could be a disinformation campaign by the Mexican government to make the cartel look weak, but uh, I believe this is authentic. So the cartel has released an ultimatum to the Mexican government and it reads as this. I will read exactly what it says here. Now this is a translation into English and so a couple of these words that are normally in Spanish that don't translate as well over to English might be a little bit skiwampus, but for the most part, uh, this is pretty straightforward. So. If Ovidio Guzman is not released within 72 hours, they will blow up shopping centers, gas stations, and civilian military targets and governmental. The hard and strong. Warning from the drug cartel ally of the son of Chapo Guzman, detained today by federal authorities. They give an ultimatum to the government of Mexico. They give it 72 hours to release him. Otherwise, they threaten to blow up shopping centers, gas stations, propane terminals, and civil, military, and government targets in Mexico. Now, that reportedly is the ultimatum that was issued by the Sinaloa cartel to Mexican authorities. Now, again, we don't know if that's authentic, but the, I mean, that's circulating widely and there are news agencies who have picked it up. So I believe it's authentic, but I don't, I cannot confirm that exactly. Now, like I said, this 72 hour period has now passed. It has come to an end and there are now Mex a number of Mexican troops that are patrolling inside the city of Culiacan, likely protecting shopping centers, propane stations, you know, gas stations, things like that, because obviously those are the targets that the cartel threatened to hit. And there's, there's, I know there's heightened security at the prisons. There's heightened security at government embassies. There's a lot of security going on in Mexico right now. And so it's going to be very difficult for the cartel to carry out the attacks that they have threatened to carry out. But remember, like we talked about last time, just four days ago, there are, back in 2009, there were 100,000 members of this cartel, and now there are probably more than that in this cartel. So there are, they have the numbers to cause some kind of incredible mayhem inside Mexico, but it is to be seen now if they're going to do that because, like I said, that 72-hour period has now passed and there have been no drastic changes in the landscape of Mexico since the Mexican military started standing in and started stepping up and uh, going into action here. So like I've said, the situation in Culiacan is foggy at best. We don't, we're not totally sure what's going on there. According to locals and according to local authorities, the situation has returned to normal, but there's still 140 people missing from Culiacan and the surrounding areas. And actually that statistic is only from uh, supposedly one part of Culiacan. We, there are probably other people missing then we're not sure where they are. So it's very possible that the cartel could hold these people hostage and uh, use them as leverage for their demands to be met so that the son of El Chapo is freed and released back to the cartel. So this situation is tense at best. So uh, I'm not quite sure where what's going to happen from here. I will continue updating this podcast so we can uh, keep having, so you guys who listen, thank you for listening, can have the information as I receive it. I do, I dig for this information. I do my best to get everything I can, but I can't get everything obviously. And I will get some things wrong occasionally. Now, one of the reasons this is a little bit, uh, scary to me is because these cartels, uh, the Sinaloa cartel and the number of other cartels that are in the, in the, uh, Mexican territory and in other South American territories and Central American territories are the cartels who are responsible for smuggling tens of thousands of pounds of drugs such as fentanyl, heroin, cocaine, other kinds of drugs, methamphetamine into the United States via our southern border. And it's very likely 
that many of these drugs are made in very poor conditions um, and they're smuggled by cartels themselves. And so these cartels were able to launch an attack in one of the larger population centers in Mexico. And it makes me nervous that these same cartels are the cartels who are crossing our southern border routinely as a means to continue their drug trade. And so I think that this will light a fire underneath the... the I, I hope that this will light, this situation and these events will light a fire under the American government. And so the Biden administration can see, oh, maybe this is actually a serious problem that these people who just sieged, laid siege to a city inside their own nation and released a list of demands to the Mexican government saying that they're going to start blowing stuff up if their leader doesn't get released back to the public. These are the people who are smuggling drugs across our southern border into American territory. So I think that's that that is worth pointing out. I think that 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 this border crisis that we've been having for the last seven or eight years I think that this is a this is one of the reasons that that should be paid better attention to. And maybe we should focus more resources on securing our southern border if these people who are supposedly kidnapping Mexican citizens and probably going to be demanding them for ransom and or using them as hostages are the people who are smuggling drugs across our southern border. I I think that that's worth pointing out. So as for right now, that's where the situation stands in Culiacan. Not much to report as of right now, other than the fighting has died down in the city. But there are, as far as we know now, 29 people dead from the fighting. But that's just from the first day of fighting. And I believe the fighting continued on into the second day. Maybe even into three days afterward. But as of right now, according to local authorities, the situation has returned mostly to normal, but remains tense. And the cartel had a 72-hour ultimatum to the Mexican government that obviously the son of El Chapo has not been released back to the cartel. And so those that 72-hour period has now passed and the cartel now has to either act on their, on their threats or leave them as empty threats and lose a lot of credibility. And it will be a very much a show of weakness by the cartel, um, something that I don't believe that they have any intention of showing. So I will, if, if these situations, if, if, uh, circumstances change and if more events start transpiring in the city of Culiacan or surrounding areas or other areas in Mexico, uh, related to the battle for Culiacan, I will update this podcast. But for right now, it seems that the situation has returned to normal in Culiacan. Fortunately, after four days of chaos, things are back to normal and people are starting to return to work. People are starting to return to live their regular lives. So that's all for today. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Um, please leave me a five-star review if you enjoy the podcast or and let me know what you en- what you enjoy about it. It means a lot to me and I will catch you in the next podcast I release.